Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. there friends and welcome on into episode 46 of the sco show and episode 46 unfortunately is our second melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of your favorite well one of your favorite patriots podcasts mark schofield back in the big chair in the wake of a rather disappointing end to your holiday weekend the new england patriots go down to houston and fall in rather Embarrassing fashion. Final score was 28-22, but let's be honest, this game wasn't ever really that close. And we're going to do things a little bit differently. Normally in our melancholy and infinite sadness shows, we have our, our good, our bad, and our ugly. But I'm going to sit here and tell you, I don't really think there was anything good about that game tonight. We'll have some silver linings at the end. But from where I sat, I saw a team that just wasn't ready to play a football game. I think there was... Now, certainly something could be said about the illness factor. After all, the New England Patriots took two planes down to Houston, quarantined some of the players on a sick plane. And so maybe there was just more to the illness that we knew, than we knew about. But from where I sat, this team was outplayed, out-schemed, and out-coached. And they were beaten in all three phases of the game. And I'm going to tell you one play that I I guarantee nobody will talk about when you start listening to shows tomorrow. But from where I sat, I literally wrote down at this point in the game that they aren't in it and they're going to lose. It's in my notes. But before we do any of the stuff, the bad, the ugly, the silver linings, our usual cavalcade of reminders at the outset. First off, Follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. And check out the work in a number of places inside the pylon. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting pro- portfolio, Pro Football Weekly. And yes, that trio of SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Now, I'm going to start with one moment in this game. And it meant absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm not even sure if a play like this would get something in terms of expected points added. I'm not even sure it goes into the game as an actual play. And I'm pretty sure most of you were on your way to the fridge or the restroom or anything you would do at this point in the game. But did you notice 
right before halftime, when the Patriots were forced to punt right before the half, and it gets down to about the five-yard line of Houston, and there's just seconds left, and Houston's in victory formation. Watson's just going to kneel it. Did you notice what happened there? The Patriots had to burn a timeout because they didn't have enough players on the field for a meaningless play. They weren't ready for it. Just get 11 guys out there to stand there. They couldn't get it done. And Belichick had to burn a timeout. I literally wrote, Texans are going to kneel, but New England doesn't even have guys on the field. They have to burn a timeout. They aren't in it. They're going to lose this game. And it was just 14-3. And I probably sound like Greg Easterbrook. You remember when he used to have his Tuesday morning quarterback column? And he would write about when a team decided to go to, to punt and not go for it on fourth down. And he would write, oh, that's what the point in the in the game when I wrote down in my notebook, they're going to lose. I kind of feel like that. But that, to me, was emblematic of what we saw from this organization down in Houston tonight. It was a team that was out-coached, that was out-prepared, that was out-schemed, and that was out-played. And I, I took the time at halftime to like write down some thoughts on the first half. Where did the running game go? You come out, you're running the ball extremely well in the open and drive, and then get away from it quickly. They're doubling Julian Edelman, and they're using a cornerback on White. Well, if you're going to have White in the game and they're going to use a corner on him, maybe that's a time if they're going to go light like that to run the ball. Or maybe you go some Z-ISO with Edelman and White to the same side of the formation and let them use three guys over there. Run that into the boundary. You'll create some space to the field side with the rest of the guys on your team. Create some more one-on-one opportunities. Do that in space. They're disguised in motion. When you use motion, they're disguising their intentions with respect to man and zone pretty well. So don't use it as much. If they're going to do a pretty good job of configuring things where you're not getting that pre-snap indicator for your quarterback, then do different things. Do shifts instead. Do some different things. The two running back package. If they're going to use a corner on James Wright, go with the two running back package. And then if they're going to stay in that then run the ball at them. There were adjustments to be made, and they didn't make them on the offensive side of the ball. And yes, there were times when Brady didn't have people to throw to. There were times when the protection wasn't there. We're going to talk about Shaq Mason and Marcus Cannon in a minute. But they were out-schemed and out-coached. And on the defensive side of the ball, they had an answer for everything you were doing. And this is more worrisome going forward than perhaps anything else we saw tonight. Houston had a pretty basic answer for what they were seeing defensively from the New England Patriots defense. If the Patriots went zone, they were going to throw the wide receivers downfield. If the Patriots went man, they were going to work the running backs against the linebackers. It seems pretty straightforward, but to date, nobody had really done that to New England until tonight. And then they got matchups with guys like Johnson on Kyle Van Noy in space, on Landon Roberts in space. And that was tough for the Patriots to defend. And then when they decided to go zone, maybe worried about some of that speed, they were getting opportunities for guys like Stills downfield, for guys like Hopkins working that dig route in front of that cover two look. Patriots playing a lot more cover two than we had seen in weeks past. 
And yes, when the Patriots in the second half played some more man coverage, they won routes. Stills won routes against Jonathan Jones. Fuller won a route against Jonathan Jones. That one got called back. The one to Stills certainly didn't because there was nothing to call back because it was a clean touchdown. So in both phases, offense and defense, they got out-schemed and they got out-coached. And they got outplayed. This was a bad performance. And to try to take it big picture, we can look at a big picture. I'm cheating a little bit. I was going to save some individual silver linings for a little bit later in the show. But big picture silver lining, let's try to look at it this way. Coming into this tough four-game stretch with Philly, with Dallas, with Houston, with Kansas City. This was the four-game stretch that everybody under the sun pointed to as said would be the defining sequence of this season, right? Many of us thought two and two might be in play. More optimistic people thought three and one. I was one that was optimistic and said they will go three and one down this four-game stretch. But the one game they'll lose is that Houston game. And right now, looks like that might be on path. The problem is, the performance tonight was emblematic of two different games from this franchise's past. Certainly the game against Tennessee last year, when that was the head-scratcher of all head-scratchers. They get outplayed, out-schemed, out-coached right before the bye, which you almost never see from a Bill Belichick coach team. And it also called to mind that New Orleans game many years ago. That Monday nighter with Brady and Belichick standing there on the sideline with Belichick saying, I just can't get these guys to play for me. I just can't get these guys to do what they're supposed to do. And yes, after the Texas, the Tennessee game last year, that New Orleans game was the one that everybody pointed to. Now, more optimistic people might say, maybe this is another Monday nighter in Kansas City. That spawned the we're on to Cincinnati. And I'm sure at the podium right now, Bill Belichick is doing his best we're on to Kansas City impersonation. Bringing back the hits. Playing the, playing the greatest hits, right? The problem is, even taking that, they're still where we kind of thought they would be approach. Now you've got Kansas City coming to town. And if you were worried going into this week, about the team speed of the offense you're going up against? Wow, folks, guess who's coming to town? And if you thought that sort of zone coverage was going to be the answer against Houston, it certainly was not. I doubt that zone coverage is going to be the answer against Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Michael Hardman and all the weapons they're going to bring. Oh, and by the way, Whereas last year, that Kansas City defense was porous. This is a defense that is getting better down the stretch. And so while, yes, they might be where we thought they would be in terms of this four-game sequence, it's looking a little bit different right now than maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. And to make matters worse, when you again zoom the lens back and think big picture, Baltimore doesn't show any signs of losing right now. And so when you're thinking battle for home field advantage throughout, which, again, you would be nice to have. I mean, down the stretch here, Baltimore has a tough one this week because they do go to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Then they get the Jets on a short week. They go to Cleveland at home against Pittsburgh. 
So in terms of getting some help, you're relying on the right arms of Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, with the with the genius Adam Gase, a banged up right hand of Baker Mayfield, and Duck Devlin Hodges. And from New England's point of view, look, you get the Bengals, then the Bills, then the Dolphins. Now, those Bills and Dolphins games are at home, but you get Kansas City, then at Cincinnati. That Bills game looks tough. That Chiefs game looks tough. And, oh, by the way, that Bills game, that could be for the division. Things I never thought I would be saying, but here we are. That Bills game in Week 16 might be for the AFC East. So, this was bad. Even the big picture is bad right now. And I'll try to put a little bit of silver lining on at the end of the show, but for now, look, this was ugly. It was not what we wanted to see. Even looking at it through the lens of this is where we might have expected them to be during this stretch, it still looked bad. And it's going to get worse because we get some ugly stuff to talk about. That is next on a melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the SCO Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on this melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. And let's talk about some ugly stuff. And it would be easy to run through some individual plays and just say, this was ugly, this was bad, this was ugly, this was bad. But I'm going to try to keep it 35,000 feet, big picture type stuff. And we're going to really focus on the offense, as you might expect. We're going to start with the wide receiver room. It's hard to blame Julian Edelman for what's happening right now because even though he's look got a touchdown grab tonight late, what a great throw by Brady, which we're going to talk about, he's getting doubled with good reason because if you're Romeo Cornell or if you're anybody else that's going to go up against this Patriots offense, we're going to take away Julian Edelman, right? Because it's not like Ben Watson, and he had a great catch and run, but he's not a huge threat. Matt Lacoste, not a threat right now. Jacoby Myers, yes, he's inside the Brady circle of trust, but he's not exactly the most dynamic guy. He can pick his spots and get open against zone coverage and sometimes against man, but not a true threat. Philip Dorsett seems to be struggling right now. Mohamed Sanu, either the ankle is still bothering him or what, I don't know. But he's not the kind of guy I think many were hoping they acquired when they traded for him. And that drop on that fourth down, that's a gotta-have-it kind of play. I mean, I know sometimes I, I think back to one of my old Little League coaches and say, you know, what he told me, I'll never get on you for mental mistakes. I mean, I'll never get on you for physical mistakes, but mental mistakes I can't excuse at the same time, you gotta make that catch. That's a have to have it moment. You gotta make you gotta come down with it. 
And then there's Nikhil Harry, the curious case of Nikhil Harry. And this was a main topic of debate in the Scotia Slack channel. And I entirely agree with what many were saying, which was, why not at least get him some reps here? Apparently, he runs one shaky route that leads to an interception, which was, yes, a pivotal play in the game, and it was very bad. And he's going to get banished to Siberia. You know, it's one of those, I want him man in a radar tower in Alaska by the end of the day, just mail him his clothes. Well, that's what happened to Keel Harry. He went from potentially in the circle of trust to completely in the doghouse. Got something like 16 snaps, I think, was his final total. And you had an opportunity in the end of the game when you're trying to go tempo, throw the ball, get him some live game rips, but no. So that was rather disappointing to see. That was pretty ugly. Speaking of ugly, the Ted Karras injury looked bad. Now we we heard that he was in a knee brace at the end of the game on the sideline. It certainly looked like a knee to me. We hoped for the best because he had been faring pretty well on the interior. But somebody who's not, and I don't know what the situation is. I don't know enough about offensive line play to give a definitive diagnosis, but Shaq Mason looks bad right now. It's run blocking, it's pass blocking, it's everything. He looks bad. And I made this off-the-cuff remark in the Scotia Slack channel that it looks like they paid the wrong guard because Joe Tooney looks great. Mason looks lost at times. He's getting bulldozed. He's getting beat. He's whiffing on assignments. He's whiffing on blocks. That's disconcerting to say the least. Also disconcerting, and we understand that, look, he was sick. He got an IV at halftime. He was trying to gut it out. But Marcus Cannon looked bad tonight as well. And they've got some guys that can rush off the edge. And Martin seemed to get the best of Cannon at times. But Cannon certainly struggled. And so that's also upsetting to see. Were there silver linings? Yes. We'll get to those in a minute. But some bad things on the defensive side of the ball. Jonathan Jones, we just got done giving the guy a show. An ode to Jonathan Jones in last week's show. And what happens? He looked bad tonight. He had a great recovery to break up the potential touchdown to Fuller. He had a couple of nice plays covering some crossing routes. But he got beat at times. And he got exposed at times. And when you're thinking ahead to, look, there's your athletic guy with 4-3 speed. You're maybe going to match him up against Tyreek Hill. Well, Kenny Stills just ran by him on a vertical route for a touchdown. Now, maybe Jones was gassed from the previous play, but there was a long review process. He could have caught his wind. So seeing Jones get beat up and picked on tonight was a little upsetting. Stephon Gilmore gave up some catches to Hopkins, but this is a top five, top three receiver. That's going to happen. What was more upsetting was the zone coverage game plan. I don't understand it, and I'm curious to see what is said about that in the post-game commentary, in the press conferences, and the pressers this week. I want to know why they thought zone was the way to go. Was it a team speed thing? Was it a scheme thing? Was it a practice thing? Was it was Is there something to the fact that they were just too sick, too banged up this week, couldn't do things, and they had to go a little bit more base. I, I want to know why they went with so much zone early in this game because it didn't work. 
They are at their best when they're a man coverage team playing matchups. And maybe it's sort of a trickle-down effect with McCourty out. You don't like some of the matchups outside of Gilmore on Hopkins, and so you played more zone as a result. But when you're seeing Gilmore backpedaling, that's not his game. And when you're seeing him like backpedal on the outside against uh, Kenny Stills when Hopkins is running routes on the inside, that's not what we want to see. So that was frustrating as well. This was also one of those games where the marriage of pass rush and coverage didn't work because what happened when they tried to dial up pressure, which they weren't getting organically, it didn't get home. And what's the old expression? When you go zero blitz and it doesn't get home, the band is going to play. And that happened tonight. They go zero blitz. They don't get home. You get the stills touchdown. You get some other big plays as well against the zero blitz. It's been effective at times, but when you've got great athletes on the outside and the blitz isn't getting home, and you've got a quarterback like Deshaun Watson who played a very good game, didn't seem too hesitant tonight, you're going to give up some big plays. And that's what happened. Now, as far as silver silver linings, I thought when he was pressing to action, James Ferencz came in and did a very good job. Sort of held his own. Now, he comes in late in the game when you're playing catch-up and you've got to throw it, and they're playing soft coverage. I thought the Texans got a little bit too soft at the end of that game, but he handled himself well. It's a silver line in the sense that if Karras is out, it looks like he can at least handle the load. James White had a monster game. You know, so... I was impressed with what he put together both as a runner, showed some explosiveness. Look, that run, I think it was, what, 32 to the right edge? Looked very twitchy, very explosive. Great burst on that. And so he had a fantastic game. And that's with the brackets and the cornerback stuff that was rotated his way in the first half of this game. They got him gold in the second half. That was great to see. Jacoby Myers, I'm still impressed with what he's doing. It'd be great if he was option four on this team instead of having to be option basically two right now or maybe three after White. If they could get something, anything from the combination of bodies such as Watson, Sanu, Dorsett, something, that would be great. And I know everybody's a a Twitter right now about the tweet from Antonio Brown. I get it. I understand it. I just don't think it's going to happen. You don't go Homer Simpson and burn the bridge when you're driving over it on your little golf cart, flipping the match over the bridge, and then get to go back over it again. Trashing Trashing the owner's not the way to do it. And I know a lot of you want to see him back. I get it. I see your tweets. I read them. I get it. I see you in the Slack channel. I just don't think it's happening. So they got to find a way to get production from somebody not named Edelman, White, and Myers right now. And I don't know where they're going to turn. Maybe Sanu's ankle is worse than we thought. Maybe Dorsett's head injury is still dealing with lingering effects. I don't know. But it's not coming right now. Watson had one nice catch and run, but other than that, he was largely silent. And so the offense looks bad. I will say about Tom Brady... And I know that this is one of those moments where, again, it's a national stage. Everybody's just going to rush to keep throwing more dirt on the grave. And I understand it. Everybody's saying Father Time is here. 
You look at the touchdown pass to Edelman, that was a rope. You look at the second touchdown to White where he climbs the pocket and masters it, you know, handles it masterfully and throws a dart in a tight window between multiple defenders. The guy can still make plays. This isn't Peyton Manning when they won Super Bowl 50, when he could barely grip the ball and couldn't throw it more than 15 yards downfield. You know, this isn't that. Has Brady declined? Yeah. He's my age. I can barely sit without pain, so come on. There's going to be some slippage here. But when you see some of those throws, the guy can still play. And so if they could just get him a tiny bit of help, that'd be nice. I mean, I, I'd i love to sit here and say that everything's going to be fine. I'd love to sit here and say that we know how this story ends, as it's ended many times before. Because it has that feel to it, right? In a sense. We've seen so many times before that the Patriots have a game like this or a a couple of games like this. Remember Miami and Pittsburgh last year into that Week 16 Buffalo game, which I always talk about where I literally sat in front of this very same microphone and said they're not going to win a Super Bowl. They're not going to win a playoff game. Offense isn't good enough. Passing game's not good enough. Something's wrong with Brady. We've all been down this road before. So the script feels different. But yet, in a sense, it doesn't feel the same. Whether it's the true lack of weapons, whether it's the Brady age factor, whether it's the weird sense around this team that they were always trying to replace what they lost with Rob Gronkowski with Gordon, with A.B., and none of it clicked, and neither guy is in New England anymore, and now they just don't know where to turn. But for whatever reason, and I just can't put my finger on it, this script feels different. This moment feels different. And who knows, maybe two months from now, three months from now, I'm looking back at this moment and saying, exhibit 3,452 that I just don't know what I'm talking about. Because they put it together down the stretch, they figured it all out, their best days truly were ahead of them, and they made another title run. And maybe this time next year, during a similar sequence, I'm saying, oh, but remember back in week 13 when they had that loss to the Houston Texans on Sunday night, and I sat in front of this very same microphone and said they weren't good enough, they're done, all that stuff. Maybe it happens again. But how many times as an organization, how many times as a team can you thread that needle? And look, look around the league right now. There's evidence that teams can put it together. Teams can go on runs. Teams can figure it out. But this one does just feel a little bit different. And I think a lot of you feel that same way. That's one of the reasons why I love the Slack channel, which again, you can join at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Hit me up for an invite or mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. Because sometimes when you're just watching a game, sometimes like I do just alone by myself, taking notes and working through it, I might be feeling something, but I don't know if I'm seeing what everybody else is seeing. And reading the comments and the threads and all of it, I can sense in you, Patriots fans, that level of unease as well. Like, yeah, they are kind of where we thought they would be after the stretch. They lost the game down in Houston, but 
There's always that but. It's like that West Wind moment. What are the next 10 words? What are the next 10 words after that? This this team is struggling right now, but but what? But they make another run, but they put it together, or but worse days could be coming. But maybe they won't figure it out. But maybe they won't make that run. We're going to learn a lot about this organization and this team over the next 10 days. Between what happens in this game against Kansas City and the aftermath of that. I wish I could sit here and tell you that I'm ultimately confident that they're going to figure out Patrick Mahomes and company. I think they can. I don't know if they will. I don't know the next 10 words. I'm Mark Schofield. That will do it for episode 46 of the Sco Show. I will be back Wednesday and Thursday, as always, of this week. We'll get ready for Kansas City. We'll probably move on to Kansas City pretty quickly. I don't think we want to waste too much time talking about this game. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday weekend. Sorry it had to end this way. But, hey, some will come up tomorrow. Thanks again, as always, for listening. And please, Patriots fans, I know it seems dreary and dark right now. Do keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.